Welcome to the Healing Courageously podcast, where we engage in open, honest, and healthy conversation about everything from addiction, abuse, and recovery to marriage, family, and spirituality. We hope you find this podcast helpful. Our goal is that you will find a new way of living as you look closer at yourself in these areas of your life, which will lead to a happier and healthier you. Now here's your host, Randy Boyd. Hello everyone. Hey, thanks for joining us today. I'm here today with um, my son-in-law, actually, uh, Jared. And we're going to talk today about something that I've actually wondered a lot about in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, I found a really interesting book that actually Jared kind of turned me on to um, that talks about the exact, exact subject that I want to talk about today. And it's actually, I've entitled it, A Radiator, Radiator, Tree, and a Rock, Not. Now, what I'm talking about is, is the God of our understanding in Alcoholics Anonymous because there's a big misperception of that as my understanding. So we're going to get into this a little bit today. And, and, and i got to tell you, when, when I first walked into the, I went to Betty Ford Center for my outpatient, and when I saw the word God as we understood him on the walls, when I saw the word God, period, I wanted nothing to do with the program. I said, if God's got something to do with this, then I think we're going to have a big problem. But because I was dedicated to my recovery, because I've made a commitment to change, I figured, well, i got to have an open mind and stay willing to figure out what this God of my understanding was. So, And I know I'm not the only one that struggles with this. A lot of people do. Um, what, Jared, what, what did you, when you first saw those words on, on the wall, God, as you understand God, what, what, did you, um, what did you think? Well, I also first saw them at the Betty Ford Center when I entered for recovery myself back in uh, 2017. And, you know, it, it was reassuring to see that, that God was going to be a part of this. But it was also, I want to say, a little confusing because it's a God of your understanding. Um, and I didn't. I was kind of like, well, does that mean I can make God whatever it wants to be? Um, so it, it really was a little bit more confusing than I think it needed to be. Um, because God has many different connotations when you say it, but especially when you're being introduced to it in a non uh, Christ centered area where it's secular recovery and they're talking about, and then you start hearing about everybody talking about different ways that their higher power is. Um, it was, it was a little confusing. Yeah, it, it, it would be confusing, mm-hmm. you know, because I don't know about you, but the God that I understood when I walked in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, that God molested me, beat me, right? He abused me. He sentenced me to a life of hell and never cared a hoot about me. That That's the God that I walked into the rooms with, and that's exactly what I thought about God. It's like, don't be talking to me about God because where was he when all this stuff was happening to me as a child? Um, where was he when I was being beat by born-again Christian uh, parents. One was a deacon of the church and one was a, m- a member of the choir. So it was pretty hard for me to wrap, wrap my mind around, around God in that way. But the intriguing part was that as we understood him, mm-hmm. so we, we're going to learn how to 
made a decision to, our, to turn our will and our life over to God as we understand him. Right. You know, not as our parents understood him or mm-hmm. somebody else understood him, but as we understood him. I mean, what, when you walked in, did you, were you like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, I understand God perfectly good. He's loving. He's kind. He's caring. Did you have some kind of offbeat um, c- uh, perception of God yourself? Or were you? I remember sitting down with my counselor for the first time, my first day walking into Betty Ford. And it was kind of like a, not quite an intake, but a um, introductory kind of meeting with my counselor. And I kept telling my counselor, God took me away from my family. God took my wife away. God took my my stepson away. You know, God made me an alcoholic. And, you know, at, at that point, I was, I, was, I was broken. And I didn't know, uh, I didn't know how to, how to, encompass God or how to view God at that point because I'd prayed from the foxhole Mm -hmm. and here I am Mm -hmm. sitting in a chair in Betty Ford you know shaking from detox right 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 (laughs) prayers from the foxhole the the great one I don't want nothing to do with God but God please get me out of this mess right yeah 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 yeah. I mean I think we've all been there I've done it countless times and you know you speak about that in fact the prayers from the foxhole when I started looking at those prayers from the foxholes that's when I started realizing there was a God, right? Yep. That, yep. hey, there is a God because there's times I should have gone to jail. There's times I, I know I did too much cocaine and drank too much. I should be dead. Um, in fact, once what I learned in Betty Ford was that I had technically um, overdosed on the amount of cocaine that I had done and alcohol that I consumed in a night. So, so it's funny how we, how we, we, you know, we, have, we struggle with this God person um, until we need him. Yep. You know, and, and we're all, who's the one we reach out to? God, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but still, a lot of people in AA, right? They 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 still don't grasp what they're talking about. What they're talking about with God. A lot of them will think, well, it's a you know, it could be a radiator, it could be a tree, it could be, it could be the ocean, it could be whatever. Well, you know, no. Uh, here's here's what happened with me that I was able to. Um, find a new God, a new understanding of God. Um, he's a God, he's a creator, maker, uh, he, he's a uh, maker of the earth, he's a God the Almighty, Father of light, Heavenly Father and Spirit. The founders of AA, I can tell you right now, the founders of AA are likely rolling over in their graves today. And why might that be? Why might that be? Because today, and I'm going to go into this a little bit more, okay? This is just the opening part. But today that most of the people in the rooms of AA, they understand that God to be more commonly known as a tree. Okay, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, stone, radiator, fan, and, and many other tangible items. Now, step two says, which came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could be restore us to sanity. Well, that great that power greater than ourselves can be a tree. It it can be a mountain. It can be the star. It can be the ocean, because mm-hmm. those are greater things than us, more powerful things than us. And what what it was happened for me was is, as I looked at that stuff, I said, man, there's got to be something out there greater than me. There's got to be something out bigger than all this. And it's only one person. It's got to be some God, the Creator, that we can't see. 
And this is where the problem comes in AA is because the God that they're talking about, both Dr. Bob and Bill W., that's not the God. The God they're talking about is the God that's spelled with a capital G, capital G God, which is referring to God the Creator or Yahweh, not a tree, okay? It's not the false gods that are being referred to in the rooms of AA today as mentioned above. That's not what they were implying back when they, when they started AA. Even the H in him is referring to God. Capital him is God. That's always been something. This has always been something that stumped me about AA. Always. So what I decided to do, like I said a little bit earlier, I decided to do a little bit of research. And I told you earlier, actually Jared sent me a text, and it was a really interesting text about this exact subject. At the bottom it says something about um, that the God, the God, God of today's AA is only going to bring the wrath of God down upon people, right? right. And in that, in that uh, text I got or in that message I got was this book called uh, the James Club and the Original AA Program's Absolute Essentials by Dick B. And it's a very well-written book. It's got a lot of good information in it. It's, and it ties in the big book with the Bible. Um, it, it answered all my questions regarding the original intent of AA founders. And I don't know, did you, you never had a chance to read that book, did I you, Jared? No, just what I've, what I've told you. Mm-hmm. And, okay, so... Um, but I know that Jared and I talk a lot, and he, he does agree with a lot of this um, that that we're talking about. So I've probably heard most of the book from you. You probably have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I keep on. You know me. I get something. I get something that really fuels my fire, and I and I go after it. So um, you know, it, it's it's interesting because when when Dr. Bob and, and Bill W. and Ann. When they first started holding meetings in their homes, they were considered to be a Christian fellowship meeting. That's the Oxford group. Okay, so we'll just say right off the bat, and there's more to follow, that AA is a very biblically-based program, Christian-based program, if you if you could say that. I know they chose not to use the word Jesus in the in the big book, and, and it, not to offend people, okay, which, you know, it, that's got its pluses or minuses, but... They chose to use the word God, and there are some people that didn't even want to use the word God, okay? But God is in there, and we're not going to change that, okay? Every one of the meetings um, back then included a time of prayer, right? They included a Bible reading. They included meditation and a time for the Holy Spirit, which is actually one of the most critical things that we need is the Holy Spirit, okay? Because he's the one that guides us here on earth, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it, it's like... You know, it, it, you can't you can't mistake when the Holy Spirit talks to you. You know what I mean? Um, according to Frank uh, Frank uh, Amos, he the alcoholic must have devotions every morning, a quiet time of prayer, and some reading from the Bible and other religious literature. See, I don't know about anybody else, and I know Jerry. You, I mean, you do this. I mean, do you read? Do you do devotions in the morning? And and, and you know, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah you have to. Yeah, it's, it's it that centers, quiet. It centers me. Right. It's that quiet time in the morning, right, yeah. where we sit there and just be quiet. And I sit right here on the couch and we read a devotion, do a little bit of biblical reading, and then 
prayer, which is, you know, up and down for a lot of people, which is, I think that's just the course of prayer. I've talked to my pastor about that. And sometimes we're just in a season where it's hard to prayer and pray, you know, and, and sometimes it's thank you God for another day and keeping my family safe and keeping me sober is that's good enough because yep. we're not asking for nothing. No, nope. right. No, nope. yeah, it's just, we're just, we're just praying. It's just thinking, right? right. So, um, so that, that's, that's a critical part. And, and that, I, you know, I, I'm not, I can't say that all alcoholics don't do that or do do it. I'm sure there's a lot of alcoholics that do follow this program. I'm not saying all alcoholics or all recovery programs are so off, off base, uh, far off base. I'm just saying there's a majority of them that are. And what Amos also said back then is that the AA members of the time did not consider meeting nece- meetings, meetings necessary to maintain sobriety. You know, and, and you hear this all, all the time anymore. And, and, and I'm, I got to tell you that I agree with that. I think at first, meetings are important. Right. You know, I mean, but I mean, what do you, what's your thought on that, Jared, about meetings every day? And I mean, you know, there's the, in the beginning of recovery, there's the 90 meetings in 90 days. Right. You know, that gets you right. into the habit of going to the meetings. Um, a lot of times during early recovery, that's all you have to hold on to is going to those meetings, the fellowship with the people in those meetings. Um, There is a point that I think it can become uh, very stagnant, especially if you're going to the same meetings over and over, uh, because it's the same people griping about the same stuff um, with no real resolution. Right. Um, But also, I I think that there's a point where you can also become addicted to the meeting itself. Where it's not actually helping you, it's just replacing your addiction of alcohol or my right. addiction of alcohol. Right. Um, so I think you know having having a strong program of recovery is important, but I don't I don't really believe it actually needs to be in a meeting setting. Um, as long as you're talking with other people in recovery about recovery about um, life, you know, um, I, I think that's. That's definitely something that helps. Like I talk to you all the time about recovery-based mm-hmm. information. Um, we have people that, that call both of us when they're in a, a time of need, you know, and, and that's something that helps me because uh, they're reaching out to me for my guidance. And, you know, I have this gift inside of me that I can't just hold on to. I have to be able to give it away. Right, right. So that's, that's, that's kind of what, what is more essential to me rather than going to meetings. I still go to meetings. Right. We both still go to meetings, right. just not, you know, every day right. like like we used to. Not exactly. I mean, it's like, and you know, it, it's service work is, is, mm-hmm. is, to me, is the key to long-term recovery. Um, Kathy and I, I wasn't even out of Betty Forge yet, and one of my good friends who I didn't even know was in the program, he grabbed me and put me to work right away. And so Kathy and I have been of service for 15, 14 years now, we've been of service to the program, not only to the program, to our church, to outside people. Um, it, it's critical because, like Jared said, we, we, we got to give it away, man. We, we got to give it away to keep it because it's been so freely given to us, right? Mm-hmm. But so, the, you know, the meaning thing is like, it, believe me, I'm not, I'm not putting AA down because AA saved my life. It saved Jared's life, yep. okay? It's, it's really important that we... I still refer people to Alcoholics Anonymous. We we are both go to. Uh, I'm well, actually not Jared is. Jared's the ministry leader for Celebrate Recovery. Him and my daughter at Destiny Church. My wife and I we just we 
got moved up and we're overseeing all the healing uh, ministries at, at Destiny Church right now. So, and we just moved Jared and, and Alyssa back up into the ministry position, the ministry lead position. So, you know, that, that's, that's been our recovery. Um, you know, I was doing early on, I was doing 10, 15 meetings a week. That's what I needed to do. I, I, it got me out of myself. It kept me connected with a bunch of people, mm-hmm. but it comes a point, like, like, like Jared said, that it becomes stagnant and it's not being judgmental in, in any way or, or, or shape. It's, it's, um, what I want to say. It's like, I just quit being fed. I mean, right. it, it, yeah, you can say, you, you can say it's judgmental if you want, but it's like, no, a lot of times you hear the same stories from the same people at the same time over and over and over in the meetings, yep. okay? And that, where's the, where's the growth? Where's the spiritual growth, right. right? I mean, a lot of times you hear people talking about God with the F-bomb in the same sentence, right? right. I mean, come on. I mean, I don't, I don't mind people throwing F-bombs. I'm not to be judgmental, but you can't use the two in the same sentence. Right. I mean, that's just like, come right. on. And I people just, sit there and they say that they have this life sentence of sobriety. Yeah. It's not a life sentence. I, I get to enjoy life without alcohol. I get to, I got to, you know, find my my best friend and marry her. I got to, we just had a child. Yeah, you know, I yeah. get to do those things. So yeah. before I, I was walking in a haze of alcohol. Yeah. No way. No, you are. You're walking in a haze of alcohol, thinking we're having fun in life, yeah. doing everything. And, and, and so many people think, well, man, it's so boring. And I don't you know what I need. No, look at it's not a life sentence of recovery. We make sure that we have fun. My wife and I have literally traveled the world in recovery, okay? Not that we've got a lot of money. We just, we, we just do things, and we enjoy life more so than I enjoyed it when I was out there running and gunning, mm-hmm. okay? It's just, it's just that way. I mean, you remember stuff. I, I, I wake up every morning and go, what did I do last night? You know, what, you know what, <laughs> oh, yeah. who did I piss off yesterday? You know, I don't, I don't have to do that no more, right? But we have a lot of fun, and, and we make sure that uh, our people that are at Celebrate Recovery and and the, and the groups that we do run, that we all have fun. It's important, you know. So, um, you know, what, what, what Amos does say also, he says they are, talking about meetings, he says they are simply desirable. Morning devotion and quiet time, however, were must. So the meetings are desirable, but it's not going to... Oh, where'd so-and-so go? He ain't had meetings. He must have relapsed. Man, there's so much more out there than meetings, okay? And again, they're, they're the ones being judgmental. And there's those hard-line recovering alcoholic book thumpers, I'm going to call them. Mm-hmm. And I, they know the book. That's good. But, man, I, I've seen them walk out of the rooms and be a complete opposite of what they're preaching. Yeah. Okay? So we got to practice the principles in all of our affairs. So the meetings are desirable, they say. But, and I agree with this. Morning devotion and quiet time, however, they're must. And that comes right out of Dr. Bob um, from his book, Supra, pages 131 and 136. So how is this different from today's meetings, you might ask? So how is this different from today's meetings? Okay. In today's meetings, we open with a preamble, not a Bible reading. Okay, Simple. Sure, there's a prayer at the end of every meeting. However, I question, and I do question this, how authentic our people are when, they, when saying these prayers. How authentic are people being when they actually say these prayers? Again, it's just a question. Mm-hmm. You know, are they just saying them because it's there? We got to say, here goes the prayer. Everybody's standing around, and let's do the prayer, right? Yeah. So it, it's, again, it's like, what kind of prayer are you saying? You're saying one prayer, the Lord's Prayer, your third-step prayer, 
Whatever it is to get going is fine, but as we mature and we continue to grow and become more spiritual, we we need to keep growing up, up this, climbing up the spiritual mountain and trying to get closer to God and practicing different things, okay? Bill Wilson wrote in his own history of AA, and we can remember Anne as she sat in the corner of the fireplace reading from the Bible the, war, the warnings of James, the book of James in the Bible, that faith without works is dead, James 2, 17. And that's from Alcoholics Comes of Age, okay? As an absolute essential, AA has their roots in the book of James, mm -hmm. believe it or not, in the book of James. The Sermon on the Mount of 1 Corinthians. Okay, that's what the big book is based on. The book of James, according to Dick B., was a favorite with early AAs. And actually, it was such a favorite that they almost called it, rather than Alcoholics Anonymous, they almost called it the James Club. Almost called it the James Club, but didn't, didn't pan out to be that. In fact, the book of James is where many of AA's principles came from. So a lot of the principles came right out of the book of James. And as you, as you read his book, and I'll go through this a little bit more, make it a little bit clearer. Um, well, Bob, both Bill and, and Bob, Dr. Bob stated many times, is that Jesus' The Sermon on the Mount contained the underlying philosophy of AA. So you got the big book being written based on the book of James and the first Corinthians, and you got the AA philosophy being on Sermon on the Mount. Okay? And here's a couple specific um, ideas from AA book, uh, from the book of James. Okay? It's patience. We talked about patience in the big book, right? I mean, um, it's enduring temptation. Right? We're going to be tempted, and we, we got to endure it. It's uh, being a doer of the word. Okay, doer of the word. What does it tell you to do in the big book? Are you a doer or are you a talker of the word? You got to be a doer. You know, it's important to know the words, but if you ain't walking the talk, you're not going to get nowhere. Yeah. Not a hearer. Be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. Keeping all God's commandments, not just the ones you like. It's like doing the step work. Well, step one's okay. Step two, yeah, step three. I'm going to go down to step 11 or 12 because I don't want to do the, the four, five, six, seven, and eight. That's not how it works. You're, you're going to fall flat on your face. They're numbered in order for a reason. The big book and the steps were brilliantly written by, uh, by Dr. Bob and Bill. Brilliantly written. Divine guidance all the way. Um... You can avoid speaking evil of or judging others, all right? Speaking evil of is gossiping, you know, quote, gossiping about people. If you can't say it to their face, don't say it at all, all right? And we're all guilty of that. I don't care I don't care how good of a Christian we are or how good we are in AA or whatever it is, we're all guilty to some degree of that. Um, and holding on to grudges and much more, the resentments, step four and five. We gotta get rid of those those things. So all that is coming from the book of James. Dick's Dick B's book, The James Club, goes into great detail where where and how the book of James, the Sermon on the Mount, and First Corinthians is tied into the big book. I really highly recommend you get this book. 
um, that it gives examples of scriptures versus passages in the big book of AA. It cites the, it'll cite both the scripture and the passage and the correspondence to the scripture as well as the pages in the, in the big book. Okay. So it's, it's, he, he does a phenomenal job with his book proving his point. Okay. You know, Jared and I talk about this quite a bit. Well, wait, I'm going to back up a little bit. Um, step five, we admitted to God, ourselves, and another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. So that comes directly from James 5.16, which is, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Okay, so that's right from James 15, admitted to God, to ourselves, and another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Okay. I talked to Jared about this and other people about this quite a bit, um, about the, the reasons for such high, high rate of relapse and recovery. And whether it's a relapse of one's drugs, um, an emotional relapse, overeating, or any other addiction, I truly believe, and, and Jared, you might want to pipe on this too, that it's, it's because of these false idols and, and, and gods that so many choose to call God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, the false idols like the fans, the doorknobs, you know, those, those aren't there for you, no. when, when you when you really need them. You know, you can't think... When you're just doing normal prayer, you can't thank a, a painting or a doorknob or a fan um, for what has been given to you and where you've come. In my journey, you know, I, I have to thank God every day that I'm still alive from where I was in my addiction. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, yeah. can't, I can't look at a, at a fan and say, oh, hey, thanks for keeping me alive because <laughs> that fan had nothing to do with it. No. You know, no. And, and I think one of these false idols you know, can also be just the big book. The big book can be a false idol in itself. It could be, yeah. People look so far into that book that it'll have every question, but you can't turn to the book. You can turn to the Word of God in, a, in the Bible, but you can't turn to just a book. No, no, you can't. I mean, it, it's those first 164 pages of the big book are, are very well written. Mm-hmm. That's where I actually found God again, but that's where I found Him, where I searched for Him, but it was going to him that got me where I'm at right now. You can't find it in the book. Right. You can find some answers, but the ultimate, the ultimate savior, you can't find in a book. Right. Right. You know. So, um, it, it, it's pretty tough. It's 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 pretty tough. You know, for myself, you know, one of the things that um, for years that I did, right? Because going, like I say, growing up in a born-again Christian family, it was extremely abusive. When I turned 18, it was adios to everybody. And this is what God and the church is about. I want nothing. I don't want nothing, man. So what I turned to is, is you know, I didn't have any mentors growing up. So the people I looked up to were, were um, people that were successful in the construction industry because that's what I was doing. That had money, that had nice houses, had not, had all that stuff. So what I did is I idolized for many years, for 38 years. I idolized money, fast car, fancy cars, people and things, all of which did nothing to fill the hole in my soul. It did, I got to a point where, where, where 
Kathy and I could go wherever we wanted to go, whenever we wanted to go there. I could buy pretty much anything that I needed, not only that I needed, but that I wanted whenever I wanted to. I just go, I didn't have a problem buying. I, I was at that point in my life. But yet every time I'd buy something, right, that hole in my soul would just be left wide open. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Eckhart Tolle said it in, a, in a, his Power of Now, I think it is, where we sit there and we work and we're working hard and we're working towards we get a BMW. We want that brand new BMW 735i. So we're working and we're working and we're working and we work hard. We save our money. And next thing you know, that brand new BMW is sitting in your driveway and you wake up the next morning after bringing it home and it's like, now what? What's yeah. next? Because yeah. it's just, they're inanimate objects. They cannot fill the hole in your soul. Only God can do that. Only God, Yahweh, God can do that. Okay? Jeremiah 2, 27 through 28 tells us, saying to a tree, <laughs> this is classic, <laughs> saying to a tree, you're my father. And to a stone, you gave me birth. For they have turned their back to me and not their face. But in the time of their trouble, they'll say, Arise and save us. But there are, but there, there, but where are your gods that you have made for yourselves? Let them arise. If they can save in the time of your trouble, for according to the number of your cities are your, are your gods, O Judah. But where are, where are your gods that you have made for yourselves? Let them arise if they can save in time, in the time of your troubles. And you and I talked about this earlier, the prayers in the foxhole. Mm-hmm. There, there wasn't no idol that I was turning to. There wasn't no tree. There wasn't no money. Well, I wasn't turning to my nice truck. I wasn't turning to my money. I was crying out to God. Right. Right. And that God did, he got me out of trouble. Yeah. Right, it, uh, that we should have, like you see. I mean, I, you're down the ground, like boo boo, mm-hmm. you're gone, right? Yeah. I mean, I've been there too, and it's like God says, "Nope, I'm not done with you. You ask for help, I'll, I'll help you." So, yep. Yep. um, I remember sitting in in my counselor's office at Betty Ford, and this was after you know a bunch of things had happened between my now ex wife and myself, and. Papers were filed for divorce and all of that, and I was beside myself. And she said the one thing that I that I always hated hearing, and it was, "Well, it happened for a reason. God <laughs> did this for a reason." Yep. You know, and it was kind of at that point where I st- a kind of kind of a light went off in my head and went, "Okay, so God's helping me out by taking things out of my life," and that was that was an enlightenment period for me. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, that's the truth of the matter, too. It's like when we, when we look at our stories, like Jared did, and I look back all the way on mine, why me, God, why me, God, why me, God, why me, God? Well, <clears throat> if I wouldn't have had, if I wouldn't have been abused, if I wouldn't have gone through everything I'd gone through in my life, I wouldn't be sitting here talking on a podcast. I wouldn't, be, yeah. I wouldn't have written a book, a number one international bestseller. I wouldn't have done all this because I wouldn't have had the experience. Right. You know? We got to remember that either either God, G, capital G God, is everything, or He's nothing. There's there's no in between. He either is or He isn't. So, and if He is, that means that everything that happens to us in our life happens for a reason. Yep. You know, I mean, it's it's real simple. It can't get any easier than that. You know. 
And what was funny, though, is that even though I was still seeking the God of my understanding during all this time, it was the God that I had been questioning for 35 plus years that saved me. You know, that God, he's the one that saved me. He was always there. He was always there for me. I mean, time for another show. I mean, I got... I could go all the way back to when I was 15 when I, there's a lot of different things I can talk about how God's always been there for me and always will be. What happened was when things really turned around was I was in Betty Ford for a couple of weeks. Right? And it was the morning that I dropped to my knees and told God I no longer wanted to live the way I was living. And what had happened was I think the day before... I was, my spiritual counselor had told me a story about how the alcoholic at night will throw his keys underneath his bed. And that way, when he gets up in the morning, the first thing he's got to do, he's got to get down on, on, a, on his knees to grab the keys to drive away. So he just stays down there and says his prayer. So I didn't follow that protocol exactly, but I did get on my knees for the first time. And I, and I, I said that, I can't do this no more, God. I, I, I want to live, and I don't want to live the way I'm living, you know. Um, I no longer wanted to drink. I wanted to change, but I didn't know how, and I couldn't do it alone. And it was at that precise moment, literally, that the obsession to drink and use was lifted from me. I've never, the obsession has never returned to me. Now, do I think about having a drink once in a while? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think, who doesn't? I don't, you know, if you say you're not, you're, well, never mind. But I do not obsess over it whatsoever. You don't obsess over it anymore. I do not. I do not. Uh, my my moment came not long after I had entered Betty Ford, but then I decided that I was going to go to church, and I'd actually gone with my parents um, to a church here in the Coachella Valley, and at that moment I I realized I needed to turn my life over to God again uh, because of what He's brought me through and and kept me from. He kept me from death. Yeah, you know, and and here I am with a second chance, and I I had to be thankful for that and grateful for that, um, and that was pretty much the moment that I that the obsession was lifted for me as well. Now you're right, you know, I mean we live in the desert, you know, it gets 105 <laughs> degrees out, sits so 105 degrees out right now. What an ice cold beer wouldn't be be like, but right. I can't do that. No, no, <laughs> no, can't, can't. So um, yeah, you just can't do it. But you know, it was it was that day that you know when I lifted my hands that um, he took that obsession away from me, right? Um, but it was also at that moment that God gave me the courage, the wisdom, the strength to work through the pain and shame of my past and the and, and the years of harm caused by my by by being abused. See, the top of page 64, paraphrasing, it says that liquor is but a symptom. It could be liquor, drugs, gambling, pornography, food, overspending, you, you, whatever it is. It's but a symptom. I want you to understand this. Alcohol and all the symptoms, they're not the problem. They're just a symptom. Mm-hmm. It says we must get to the underlying causes and conditions. And that's another reason that I feel there's so many relapses in the programs. Because, one, number one, they're using false gods rather than the real god. And number two, they don't address their their their, their uh, they don't address their their underlying issues. It, it, it's a must because it'll come back to bite you. And I've seen it by many people, many people. They'll say I dealt with it, and 100 percent of the people that I personally have talked to that said I've dealt with it have done one of three things: relapse of their drug of choice, attempted suicide, or committed suicide. There's no dealing with it. Dealing with it is not healing it. 
You've got to work through it. You can't go over it or around it anymore. So if you're not, and in order to do that, it takes a tremendous amount of courage and strength, which only God can give you that kind of courage and strength. I'm telling you, and I've seen it work. I've seen it both ways. I've seen it go south, and I've seen it work wonderful miracles in people's life. Okay, there's no human power. There's no tree, stone, fan radiator, or covetous thing has ever had that kind of power. Ever. You know, I, it just doesn't work. I mean, I, a tree's an inanimate. I've never seen a tree talk back to me, you know. I mean, I've never seen a tree, you know, wrap its arms around me. It, 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 you go on and on and on about that. Even on all the drugs you were on, you never did? Well, maybe I saw a few <laughs> things in that I should, you know, like I can't quite remember, but, you know, <laughs> you know, those drugs do that once in a while, okay? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so... Then the question arises that what does the God as we understand him mean? So what does that really mean? Okay, Dr. Bill and Bob, they refer to God or him in the steps of the big book, which God or some simulation of him is used more than 400 times in each of the editions of AA's big book. God, capital G, or him, capital H, is used over four, some 400 times, is used more than 400 times in each of the several editions of AA's big books. Using a capital G and capital H is a reference to God the Creator. Remember, as I mentioned earlier, that either God is everything or he's, no, or he's nothing. There's no in-between. He either is or he's not, okay? For, for, for myself... I'm going to ask you the same question, Jared. It came down to looking at how I had understood God prior to entering treatment. But no one had ever, ever asked me that question before. And we both talked about that a minute ago, that, you know, or a while ago, that, you know, for me, he molested me. He beat me emotionally and verbally abused me. And if he did exist, he didn't give, he didn't care about me at all. And that's why I turned to anything and everything, including alcohol and drugs for myself to try and take away my pain and my shame. Because don't tell me about this God that can resolve. You know, when you're, when you're looking here on earth and you hear about this God that's mystically in the air, okay, I'm just, I'm just being, you know, giving a scenario right now, and that you, you tell me that, Randy, believe me, if you just trust in God, you turn your will over to God that I can't see up there, and he's going to love you, he's going he's gonna, to uh, embrace you, He's going to forgive you. He's always going to be there for you. All those good things. What you want, yet my father right here on earth that I could see would do none of that. My father right here, it was my stepfather on my point. Okay, my father died when I was 12. But my stepfather beat me, abused me, put me down, never was there for me, didn't, didn't forgive me. He was, he was an animal. He was evil. And you want me to believe in what you're telling me that I can't see? kind of hard to grasp and it is actually a situation that exists throughout the world where people and I've talked to several people where they that's a big drawback it's hard for me to trust and believe in this God up here when I my father here on earth was a piece of garbage to me he treated me mean right I mean you've you've talked to people it's the same thing yeah yeah I mean so it's it's kind of it's 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 tough It, it really is tough so um 
What I know is, and Jared, I know you too, that everything you turned to in the past only created temporary peace, but ultimately, uh, but ultimately led me down a path of destruction. Yep. Right. I mean, yep. We we just we think we got it all together, and you know, I know you just. I think for a while you just decided that you weren't going to go to work and you stayed home and drank. Yeah. Now that's how good alcohol was to you, huh? Yeah. Was your best friend, huh? Oh yeah. That was the affair you were having. That was. Yeah. 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 That's. You know, yep. I had one of those too. Yeah. A matter of fact, I, I used to have Diet Coke cans in the garage, yep. right? I drank a lot of Diet Coke, but I would pour it out and then pour Jack Daniels in it, thinking that I was being slick, mm-hmm. but yet I'll leave the. <laughs> I know, I leave a half empty Coke around the house, and Alyssa goes, Oh, she gets those shivers because she remembers that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She does, she does. She does, she does, she does. Um, So the bottom line came down to me is I had nothing to lose uh, through uh, through looking at God through a new pair of glasses. I, I had nothing to lose. I, I, I'd already tried everything else, and I had nothing to lose. And Alcoholics Anonymous, um, they gave me the time to seek out that God, right, uh, the, uh, to, to question that God. My therapist, all right, she was wonderful. She gave me great insight into who God is, also played a great role in allowing me to find the God of my understanding. I questioned my God. I questioned why God allowed many different things in my life to happen to me, to which she would always answer, oh, it's none of your business. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I used to hate that. It's none of your business. Remember, either God is everything or God is nothing. And it was uh, my spiritual counselor, Greg, at Betty Ford, who really made the transition of my thinking easy. We had an exercise. Did you? I don't know if you guys did this. I, I've talked to you about it, but we write out who we think God is on the whiteboard. Yeah, we did not do that uh-huh. in in the Betty Ford Center, but we went through it. You and I went through it in marriage counseling. Yeah, yeah. Um, when we were going through it, right. when Alyssa and I were going through it with you guys, right? And you know, a lot of my answers, which is which is also before recovery, you know. My answers for who who is God was this this damning this thundering right, right. throw a lightning bolt down, right. you know. But but I'm sitting here and I'm also thinking, you know, that there has to be two different kind of thoughts that are going in your head where you know there is this damning God, you know, or, or this 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 thundering you know behemoth of a of a deity. But when you think about it, everybody, almost everybody always goes to God when something is is happening mm-hmm. rather than go to a friend, a parent, right. a confidant. So inherently there's something in them that says, if I ask God for this, he will answer, whether they believe or not. Right. And it just blows my mind. Well, I think it says, I don't think I know it says in the big book that in, inside of every man, woman, or child, there's a natural, um, there's a knowing of God. Right. Those aren't the exact words, but we know inside of us that there is a God, mm-hmm. right? It's natural. Right. And now, you know, knowing and being faithful in, in church and, you know, listening to the different, the different pastors, you know, you know that God is compassionate, caring, right. loving. Right. He's not this, this, this thundering, you know, head that's just mm-hmm. ready to throw a lightning bolt at you once you do something wrong. Right. He'll come down to your level and meet you there and just guide you through. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what it takes. I mean, he, our God's a gentleman. Yep. He, he's not. He's not pushing. He gives us free will. Yep. 
Right. He ain't going to sit there and push us to do something we don't want to do. Right. And that was the beauty of it, you know, because um, when, when Greg walked me through that, you know, we filled up the whole whiteboard with things like all positive attributes of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what the whole board was. And as he as he uh, was walking out the door, he stopped, turned around, and he says, okay, there's your new God, right? And I, I just like, wow, what do you mean that's our God? That's the God. That's who God really is. He's all those things right there. I said, wow. So it was easy for me um, to start looking at God from a different pair of glasses at that point in time, you know. Um, like I said, God gives us free will, so, you know, we could either choose. I mean, it was like the day that God told me, you get out of your jail, free cards are used up. I had the free will of listening to that voice and getting clean or taking a chance and finding out what he meant. I knew right. what he meant. I knew what he <laughs> meant, man. All right. So what happens because of the free will, it's, in, in doing so, it's really easy for us to blame God for the things that happen to us, okay? Well, you know, you have a right to do that. I'm not going to tell you. I did it for years. So, And actually, the, the people I love working with the most, and Jared can attest to this, are the people that do blame God and that really struggle with God. I, I love it, right, because that's where I was. And I love working with those people and just guiding them really slowly and really gently until they come back to until they decide that they want to give their life back to God, okay? The reality is this, though, that God never molested or beat me. He never emotionally or verbally abused me. Man did. And then why did he allow it to happen to me? Okay, why? It's a good question. I touched on it earlier. I didn't know then, but I know today. But what I'm going to tell you right now, that's a topic I'll leave for another time. So with that, everybody, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for listening. I hope you got something out of this. I hope you learned something from this. Please uh, go to um, iTunes or Google once this gets up. Press the like and subscribe button for us, okay? We really appreciate it. We're, we're just starting this thing. Also, email me at CourageousHealers.org, CourageousHealers.org. If you have any suggestions for um, subjects you'd like to hear us talk on, we got, we got a wide variety of stuff we can talk about. So, And we're here for you, not so much for us, okay? You want to say anything, Jared, or you good? Yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. Yeah, right. Jared, thanks for coming in and doing this with me today. It's our first one. Um, I hope you're going to enjoy it. And remember this, if nobody tells you that they love you today, Randy does, but more importantly, God does. Be blessed, everybody. See you next week.